Welcome to uh, Penny for Your Thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. I'll be here until uh, just 10 o'clock this morning. We have just an hour today. We began this morning at uh, 9 with a conversation with uh, Champaign Police Chief Anthony Cobb. He is here in the uh, studio. Then we'll have a segment of uh, Open Line up until 10 o'clock, and then after that it's on the money. So it's a busy uh, Tuesday. And the Champaign County State's Attorney Julia Reitz will be here tomorrow at 10. And Busey, uh, President and CEO Van Dukeman, Thursday at 10 o'clock as well. So we'll have plenty of open line each day, each day as we have some very uh, fine and prominent guests. If you have any questions or comments, and I hope that you do, for Chief Cobb, 356-9397 is our phone number. And you can uh, send us a text, uh, question, or comment at uh, 351-5357. Chief Cobb, uh, good to see you. How are you this morning? I'm great, Jim. Thanks for having me on the show again. Well, uh, nice to have you here. I haven't had you on for a while, but uh, we've got a lot of things to uh, talk about. Yes, sir. And uh, one of the things that we want to uh, begin with... uh, is what everybody's talking about when they call here and the articles in the paper recently. And this has to do with what uh, seems like uh, a a burglar or two uh, of an automobile or a vehicle of uh, some sort uh, almost every day. Yes, uh, we're seeing a complete rash of burglaries happening all across our city. Uh, When you look at vehicle burglaries in particular, uh, that is basically a preventable crime. Uh, 100% of the vehicle burglaries that we're taking reports on are unlocked vehicles. Uh, so we strongly, strongly encourage the public to please lock your doors. Um, if you leave valuables in your vehicle, please don't put them where people can see them at. Uh, put them in a the trunk, glove boxes, under the seats, hide them. Preferably take them with you into your home or wherever you go. Uh, but it's important if you lock your doors, we're finding cars are not getting burglarized. I can think of a family here in the last couple of weeks who uh, had a couple cars burglarized. So it was, uh, parents with their adult children home and the children are from an urban area they're used to locking their doors they locked all their doors the parents didn't and the parents cars got burglarized and the children were untouched so uh whoever is uh doing the uh, burglaries here are not breaking in yeah for, they, for the most part they don't have a crowbar they don't have uh, a uh clothes hanger and going down and trying to get the car doors open and all that stuff they're mainly looking uh to make it easy uh, for them, yes, is, uh, cars that are already open. Yes, sir. Crime opportunities, what we're seeing with vehicle burglaries. Unfortunately, when it comes to residential burglaries, we have seen a few of those. Uh, those do involve some um, crime opportunity where they're getting in through open doors and open windows, and others they are forcing entry on. Um, I am happy to report 
residential burglaries so far this year is down uh, 27%, but that's not really much consolation if you're the victim of a burglary. Uh, that is a very, very um, scary offense, and most people don't like someone that they didn't invite to force their way into their homes and take their valuable, and it's definitely unnerving. So we definitely sympathize and want to do what we can to catch these individuals to keep our community safe. Now, these burglaries, uh, whether they're vehicles or uh, residences, uh, happen uh, just about any time, don't they, day or night? Yes, sir. They happen uh, any time of the day or night. Um, a lot of times are crime opportunity we're finding starting as far as the smashing grass grabs in the residential areas. Uh, when we do have those burglaries, they tend to happen more so in the evening times uh, where some people may be surprised by that. But a lot of times you may leave a door unlocked or you're out, you may open the windows up and maybe go out to get something to eat. And someone may take advantage of the opportunity while you're gone for a couple hours uh, in the evening time. So this, uh, it seems to be uh Something that the the police cannot well you can't be everywhere at the at the same time. It's very difficult to to know what the neighborhoods are they're going to uh, strike in. So this prevention of this is basically up to the uh, to me and to uh, my neighbors and uh, whomever, right? I would agree. That's a big part of a help to us as far as success. If neighbors work together. If you take the time to uh, protect your own property, lock your property up. Uh, neighbors are working together. Those things are very helpful. Being aware of your surroundings, uh, be aware of unusual things that happen in your neighborhood. We'd rather have someone call and say, hey, this happened in my neighborhood. This is unusual. We normally don't see something like this, this type of activity. Or we may see someone hanging around someone's car, looking in, walking down the street, trying to door handles. Uh, if you see those type of things, give us a call. We'd be more than happy to come out and take a look at it. And we may find it was a misunderstanding. It was something legitimate uh, or it may be something suspicious and may lead to us finding a burglar. Uh, but we'd rather for people to be aware of their surroundings, aware of what's going on in neighborhoods uh, and talk, communicate and communicate with the police. Uh, we do try to use data uh, to respond to crime. We keep track of where these crimes are happening at. We look for trends. Uh, we look for opportunities where we can try to get ahead and of some of these offenses by looking at the days of the week happen, tracking sometimes. Uh, believe it or not, Americans are creatures of habit, and even guys who commit crimes are creatures of habit, and they tend to develop a uh, mode in which they commit these crimes, and sometimes by figuring out that pattern, we can catch up with them. Where have most of these uh, vehicle burglaries occurred? I'm uh, told it's mostly a southwest Champaign. You know, they're happening all over city. Uh, we see it in Campus Town. We see it on the north side of town. We see it southwest. Uh, the spikes here lately have been southwest, uh, more so uh, center of town, west of Prospect, um, east of, the, of Duncan some of Road. The, uh, yeah, some of the newer uh, uh, subdivisions out there, they've had their problems, haven't they? They've had their problems, but the bigger spikes have actually been east of Duncan Road. But we've had some uh, spikes uh, over the last couple of weeks that's been west of Staley Road. Uh, like I said, that southwest, uh, a lot happens in that area as far as, I mean, it's a big area. Uh, and when we do have some crimes happen, it may go skip from subdivision to subdivision. Um, but so when we look at the concentration of nucleus on it, where we're seeing the biggest problem, uh, it's, it's more east of Duncan, uh, west of Prospect. You have any uh, burglaries last night? We did have a couple burglaries last night. We actually had uh, two motor vehicles stolen overnight. Stolen? Stolen, yes, sir. Um, we had two vehicles. Uh, the, both vehicles were unlocked. The keys were left in it, and neither vehicle was there this morning when a resident came out to uh, get him. 
So the uh, keys were in the car. The car was unlocked. Yes, sir. And the, that makes it pretty easy, doesn't it? Makes it very easy for someone. A lot of times, like I said, crime opportunity. Uh, we did have a resident who was observant and noticed there was uh, some people on bicycles traveling through his neighborhood late at night. Thought it was kind of unusual. He gave the police a call. Um, we got officers in the area, and they found uh, a few, several bicycles laying in the middle of the roadway, which is unusual. So they started them to look a little bit closer, talk with some of the neighbors, and that's how they discovered one of the vehicles was stolen. Looked like they traded their bikes in for the car, found a car with keys in it, and so they took the car. <laughs> trade a bike for a car, huh? Yeah, it's a heck of a trade. And uh, it's everywhere. Uh, I was uh, told that uh, somebody called in uh, yesterday and said that uh, out at Stone Creek, where, uh, out by the golf course, where uh -huh. they have those uh, big uh, fancy houses, uh, had some burglaries there as well. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I know uh, we've had burglaries on the west side of our, our, of our community. Uh, Stone Creek happened to be in Urbana, so I don't get to see those reports, but recognize uh, this happened all across Champaign-Urbana. I've talked with Chief Morgan about it. Uh, they're seeing uh, burglaries as well. I think I saw a News Gazette article reporting that there's a little bit of a decline on some of the burglaries in, Ur in Urbana, which is I'm sure they're happy to report. Uh, but at same token, it's still a concern and a problem uh, that we've been seeing in our community now for uh, close to 18 months, uh, probably just a little bit more than that. Chief Cobb's going to be here until uh, 9.30, so if you have any questions uh, for him, uh, get them in right away, 356-9397. And uh, Cindy is first. Hello, Cindy. Hi. Um, we uh, are right with you. We're, you know, something strange is, you know, see kids looking in the windows of cars or whatever. But one problem is that you call dispatch and you get grilled sometimes. Well, they're just riding their bikes in the street. Uh, what are they doing wrong? What are they doing illegal? And, and like, it's not their job to grill me. It's that I'm saying, hey, there's three kids who stand up on their bike uh, and look in the car as they're driving by. That's weird. And this is where they did it. <laughs> so I just I wanted to kind of put out there if dispatch could be just take the information. That's all I'm asking you to do. Take the information and give it to an officer and let them decide. No, I appreciate that. We'll certainly pass that along to Ralph Caldwell, the director of our dispatch center here. A lot of times they do ask a lot of questions, uh, trying to get information. Uh, the more detailed information they have, the better off it is for the officer who's responding to the call. Uh, what I like to point out to the public is recognize when they're uh, asking you those questions, uh, they're typing at the same time, and most of the time they're sending the information to another dispatcher within the room, and they're sending officers even as they're talking to you. Um, oh, great. The best set of circumstance for us a lot of time, if there's something in progress happening where someone is doing something, looking in cars, casing out, is to get the officer on scene and, and have the RP, the person who's calling a reporting party, still talking to dispatch, and have what the person seeing and describing dispatch uh, be narrated to the officer where he sees the same thing and can make sure he's getting the right people uh, and, and really been surgical and, and getting the person who's causing the issue opposed to getting someone else who had nothing to do with or not involved in this potential activity. Okay, great. Thank okay. you very much. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Cindy. And uh, Rick is next. Good morning, Rick. Yes, uh, hi, uh, Chief and Jim. Um, we're very fortunate in the Clark Park neighborhood to have a mailman who knows the neighborhood like the back of his hand, and he knows when something, you know, odd looks uh, odd or something odd is going on. And... Um, he says that uh, the uh, high school age kids or whatever age they are uh, come through on bikes, and uh, he says that uh, one of them 
uh, will stand out front and watch in front of a house while the other one goes behind the house and tries windows and doors. And he says, I'm the mailman, and I walk by him, and they don't even look uh, twice at me because, you know, everyone's so used to seeing the mailman yes. walk around. And uh, he says, I go back to my Jeep and, and uh, call it in. And uh, he says that's happened three or four times where they've, they've uh, nailed these kids uh, uh, breaking into homes thanks to his call. So we're very fortunate to uh, have him. But Yes. Um, I, I've, I found that uh, the response is always very good when you call in and say something doesn't uh, look right or looks out of place or, or the kids are riding through on their bikes. The other day I saw two kids riding up uh, Armory, and, and one was actually pointing out homes to the other kid. I couldn't tell or hear what they were saying, but as they went by each home, he was pointing to the house so uh, and talking to the other young man. So uh, these things do uh, go on, but we are fortunate to have a mailman that knows that the neighborhood real well and watches out for everyone. That is wonderful to have, like I said. People who have regular routes go through uh, certain neighborhoods and get to know neighborhoods well. They are definitely great, great assets to that neighborhood. But that's the same thing you said about retired individual, even kids who are home in the summertime and they get a chance to look around and their neighborhoods and that they can be helpful at pointing things out to their parents and others that can be good eyes and ears for the police department. Um, we want people to be aware of their surroundings and know what looks unusual in our neighborhood and work together. But that's required neighbors to talk with each other so you guys have a great mailman and we appreciate him calling in because i'm aware of some of those arrests they made out of that neighborhood uh, from catching people in the act of committing uh, burglaries maybe you should uh, deputize uh, these uh, mailmen you know <laughs> yeah it's not a bad idea on their, uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> not a bad I've, idea <laughs> i guess i've seen too many movies <laughs> <laughs> but there are great people in our neighborhood whether it be from our mailman or even some of the uh, Ameren IP people, or as well as uh, water company people, who are passing through neighborhoods who pick up on things. They blend in. People, you know, pay a lot of attention to them because you're so used to seeing them in a the neighborhood. But a lot of times they'll see something and they'll take the time to give us a call. Um, but it's important to do that. But we want our residents doing that as well. You're out gardening. Take a look around up and down the street every now and then, see what's happening. Help your neighbors out as well. All right, uh, Ed, we're going to take a uh, about a two-minute uh, break here. We come right back uh, with uh, Chief uh, Anthony Cobb. If you have questions of uh, Chief Cobb, 356-9397 is the number. I've got a couple of other things I want to uh, make sure we uh, talk to him about while he is here. So uh, we'll do that as well. But if you have a question, uh, we'll get to it uh, right away after this break. 9.22 here on Penny and uh, 69 degrees at the Radio Center. Don is next. Hello, Don. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Morning. Uh, I have a question, and I'll just hang up and listen. Uh, I'm curious if you or your officers are allowed to ask immigration status. I'll hang up and listen. Thank you. Immigration uh, status. I guess he's uh, thinking about uh, some of the uh, cities that are such as Urbana, that have mm -hmm. got different uh, rules. You guys haven't gone to that yet, have you? We have not. Like Sanctu sanctuary sanctuary cities. Cities. No, we have not, but we don't We don't get into immigration status uh, in the day-to-day -day works of police while, uh, as police work. Uh, our officers are there to aid uh, any person who's in need of aid. If they're someone who's reporting a crime, they're a victim of crime, 
Uh, we don't get into what their immigration status is in order to provide service. Uh, same thing if we run across someone uh, who is an offense, uh, offender in crime that we arrest, uh, we don't get into immigration status. The only time that really uh, sometimes comes into play, uh, certain felony offenses, if you're a victim of it, then your immigration status may come into play where we may have an obligation to notify your consulate or make your, uh, them aware that a resident of their uh, of their country, a citizen of their country, is a victim of a crime in our country. Um, but that comes into play on felony-type offenses, and, and we're talking about significant felony offenses. Uh, but for the day-to-day stuff that we deal with, uh, we look at uh, what happened. Uh, we deal with the facts around that, but we don't get into immigration. We don't have a lot to do uh, with enforcing immigration laws. Uh, the only time we may involve in, get involved in immigration laws is if there's a warrant. If a judge issued a warrant for someone and it happened to be from an immigration issue, we don't get to distinguish uh, if it's immigration or criminal. If there's a warrant for you, our job as police officers to ex- is to execute and serve that warrant. Uh, so that, that's an order from the court, and we're obligated to follow that order. Uh, Chief Cobb, uh, what has been uh, the role of the, the Champagne Police in the uh, disappearance of the, uh, the young uh, Chinese uh, scholar? Uh, some, oh, I forget how many days now. It's been a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And the charge, as we all know, is a kidnapping. The FBI is involved, which uh, puts a little different uh, slant on this. And this is a federal crime. It is. Uh, so uh, has your, uh, uh, have the Champagne Police been involved uh, very much? And if so, how? Very little involvement from the Champagne Police Department. We've... Uh done some things as far as to make uh, resources available, equipment available to assist. Uh, recognize when this uh, crime first uh, happened, uh, the University of Illinois Police Department took the report, and uh, when this young lady went missing, she went missing in the city of Urbana. So it started out with the university police uh, leading the investigation. As they developed more information, the FBI came on board, and it became a joint investigation between the University of Illinois Police Department and the FBI. Uh, the Champaign Police Department, uh, we've provided support. Uh, there's evidence uh, that was processed in this case. It came to the Champaign Police Department. They may have used our bays and things of that nature, but our officers and our detectives really didn't have a large involvement with this. Uh, we offer support when needed, but like I said, U of I, uh, FBI, they had the resources. They were moving ahead, and they were able to... Um, find someone, hold someone, uh, starting to hold someone accountable for this offense. Um, but they've worked this case, and, and our involvement has been very minimal. Do you keep uh, informed? I mean, uh, do they inform you of, uh, of the status of the investigation? People are wondering, you know, something must uh, still be going on, but uh, what is it? My understanding is still open investigation. I don't get to know the details. Uh, I read a, most information I get, get from the newspaper like everyone else. Uh, basically, when it comes to the investigation like this, it's a need to know. If you're involved in the investigation, then you need to know. But if you're not, um, we hear anecdotal information. I don't know what's true and what's not true because rumors are out there, just like you hear in the community. Uh, so I know no more about this case than anyone else in the general public, per se, uh, just because I, I don't have a need to know. I'm not directly involved with this mm-hmm. case. I want to talk to you about the uh, new uh, five-person uh, subcommittee, which uh, will be uh, named here uh, soon. I guess the job of this subcommittee will be in assisting the in- investigation of complaints against the uh, police officers. That is correct. Uh, along with the uh, Human Relations uh, Commission. Uh, the human way the subcommittee is is a subset, a subcommittee of the Human Relations Commission. Um, this subcommittee will actually assist the community relations manager in a review of citizen complaints. 
and then they will actually report their findings to the Human Relations Commission, which is something that was currently done before the subcommittee. Every complaint, uh, the police department would put a report together and we'll have an annual report to the Human Relations Commission. Uh, now that annual report will go to the subcommittee, who's also reviewing it, and then they will further uh, that information out to the Human Relations Commission along with anything that they uh, think is important based on the work they've done from overseeing these investigations. Are there uh, a lot of complaints against the uh, police, and if so, uh, what kind? Uh, we don't have many. Uh, for the last few years, we've uh, been in a five to seven range uh, is what we get for our complaints. Uh, we generally handle on average about 70,000 calls a year. Uh, so to get five or seven complaints out of 70,000 calls. Five to seven a year? A year. A year uh, is what we've been averaging um, for the last couple of years. Uh, since I've been chief there, I think the most complaints I've ever seen uh, was around 20-ish uh, when I first got there. But like I said, we slowly had a decline. Uh, we went lowest five, went back up to seven, and back down to five uh, the last three years. Uh, but like I said, the complaints that we get most time is around uh, courtesy, uh, professionalism. Uh, Sometimes we'll get some complaints around um Officers' authority, do they have, can they do this? They shouldn't have done this or they violate the law where a citizen may feel like the officer may overstep their bounds. Um, lately, we have not had any complaints over use of force, which is always refreshing. Um, but occasionally we get some where we'll have a citizen feel that the officer, the force that was used by the officer was excessive. Uh, and so we'll have those. But we actually classify uh, the categories. All our complaints and the reports themselves are online. So any citizen can go to Champaign Police Department website and pull that information up and look and see how many complaints we've had uh, all the way through 2016 is there. 17 is ongoing. But once we finish this year, we'll get that published as well. All right. Uh, let's go to uh, Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Hello. Hi. Yeah, I, I wondered uh, how come there's no enforcement of the speed limits? Uh, we do enforce the speed limits, sir. Uh, uh, you, that's not right, because if you go out on Windsor Road, that's <clears> a <throat> racetrack. Yeah, well, I, I think I can answer that. It's a question of priorities, is it not? It is a question of priorities and getting the resources there. I mean, there are some places I wish we can keep officers there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Uh, because of the speeds that we see. Um, but like I said, we do try to get officers out in the areas where we have uh, large volumes of accident. Uh, we generally use our enforcement around trying to reduce accidents. Uh, and then we'll actually come in and address issues uh, where we're getting multiple complaints where we can see there's problems there. I agree with this gentleman, uh, Windsor Road, Bradley Avenue. Uh, there's a couple more out there. We know that Speeds are in excess of the speed limit, and when we go out there, we probably can catch a lot of people. Um, but we try to focus on where the accidents occur at and recognize Windsor and Neal Street as an accident, uh, is an intersection that we're concerned about. Uh, people speeding through there can lead to accidents, and the faster you're going, you hit someone, the more uh, dangerous and more of an impact as far as causing injury to someone. So we would like to keep people safe, so we do try to get the resources to the intersections, to the area where we see the problems at. Well, Chief, uh, we need to uh, do this uh, more often. I'd uh, really like to uh, to get it to the uh, the point here where we sort of periodically, I mean, if you'd like to come on once a month or something like that and uh, kind of give us a little report. People, as you can tell, like to uh, talk to you about things. So uh, 
Be my pleasure. I would we more than happy to set something up. We haven't had you on for a real long time, and uh, I want to uh, want to change that. Yes, sir. We can make that happen. Uh, so when we get off air, I'm sure we can plan something out. I'll be more than happy to come back, sir. All right. Uh, we've been visiting with the Champaign Police Chief Anthony Cobb. We're going to break now for the uh, news uh, headlines with uh, Brian Barnhart. I'll come back with an open line up until 10 o'clock. Then it'll be time for On the Money. We're back on uh, Penny for Your Thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. We're going to have an open line now up until uh, 10 o'clock. Open line uh, news this morning includes a complaint filed against Justice Robert Steigman by the State Judicial Inquiry Board and United States uh, UN Ambassador Nikki Haley says North Korea needs to brace for the combined pressure from the United States and the world. Attorney General Sessions fires back at Chicago in the Sanctuary City controversy. And in Arizona, a woman who locked her 10-year-old cousin in the trunk has been sentenced to death. The story of Randall Rye is an interesting one. Jim Dye writes about this uh, today. He says, if it Sounds too good to be true. You know what the answer to that is. Randall Rye is a 26-year-old from Chicago, sentenced last week to five years and ten months in prison for a, what they've been calling a mini Bernie Madoff scheme. A mini one. So we've got some of those things to talk about today. And uh, Tony is first up. Hello, Tony. I'm calling about uh, Judge Steigman. I believe that that is politically motivated. He has been very outspoken against Madigan, Chicago in general, and Southern Illinois Democrats. So I think it is very definitely an attempt to smear his name, and it's being done politically. The second thing I would like to mention is a book that I recently read is called 77 Days in September, and it's very relevant to what is happening today with North Korea and their threats of nuclear, quotes, war against the United States, or at least launching one. Uh, the author is uh, Ray Gorham. I found the book on Kindle. It is, it is a novel, but it is based on an actual event, and I just can't recommend it enough. Very good reading. What, uh, what happened during that uh, 77 days? Well, it was based on an event that happened back in 1962 when the United States still tested nuclear weapons in the atmosphere, and so did the Soviet Union. And when this was done in 1962, um, I don't pretend to understand all the scientific data, but he does explain it in the foreword, that when this was launched into uh, the Earth's atmosphere, the magnetic bands protect us from radiation. But it does not protect us from something called EMP, which is electromagnetic pulse. And at first I thought, does this even exist? Yes, it does. And it knocks out 
anything that has to do with the chips, all high-tech things. And so the story, uh, it did have effects uh, at that time. And, of course, we weren't highly tech back in 62 as we are today. But the thing is it directly led to an agreement between the Soviet Union, the old Soviet Union, and the United States for no more nuclear testing in the Earth's atmosphere because of this particular problem. And so this story centers on an event that does take place and what the results are if this were to happen. And okay. it's, it's a spellbinder. Well, it sounds like it. I know uh, you sound like you got wrapped up in it. I'm sure I a did. lot of other people would do with it. The name of it again is what? It's 77 days in September. I know there aren't 77 days in September, but that's the title. And it's by Gorham is his last name, G-O-R-H-A-M. Okay. I believe first name's Ray Gorham. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a very good story, and I would recommend reading it since it is based on an actual event, and it really does center around what could happen if one were launched. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much mm-hmm. for that information. I'm, I'm sure they got it done, probably have it at the library. Uh-huh. Right, uh, 356-9397. And uh, you can uh, text us at uh, 351-5357. She talked about uh, Justice uh, Steigman. There's a big story written by Mary Shank in the... Uh, News Gazette uh, this morning. See, the uh, this was first written at three uh, thirty uh, yesterday afternoon. It probably was uh, online at that time, and uh, other uh, other uh, news stories. Uh, but the big uh, front page story was in the, the News Gazette this morning. And in case you haven't uh, seen it, it uh, this the woman talks about it. Tony talks about it being. Uh, politically motivated. I have no idea about the motivation of these kinds of things, but I'll just tell you what he said and then uh, what the complaint said just uh, quickly. And it's uh, much longer. I won't be able to to read it all, but uh, call your attention to it nonetheless. As uh, you know, people that listen to this uh, program, Justice Steigman has been on the air with uh, me for Years and years, uh, thirty plus, and of course he has uh, appeared uh, recently with uh, uh, Justice uh, McCuskey or uh, Judge McCuskey and uh, Jim Dye from the News Gazette. Mary's story goes like this: Appellate Court Justice Robert Steigman of Urbana said a complaint filed against him on Monday by the State Judicial Inquiry Board for giving paid legal lectures to police officers and doctors is, quote, regrettable, embarrassing, and unnecessary. Steigman told the News Gazette Monday, hours after being notified that the complaint would be filed, I plan to vigorously dispute the board's complaint before the Illinois Courts Commission. I intend to be represented by counsel. Steigman, who's uh, 72 years old, has known for nine months that the Inquiry Board has been investigating him, and he has fully cooperated. 
Indeed, he supplied the JIB with all the information it asked for and more, including his background, who and what he teaches, how and when he's been compensated, and written evaluations by his audiences. Knowing that he his paid lectures were under scrutiny, Steigman said he has invited JIB representatives to attend and has asked several times for guidance on what invitations the board thinks he should or should not accept. Steigman said the uh, inquiry board or the JIB did not respond. He sent another letter to the JIB late last month asking for directions regarding an invitation to present a seminar in September for police officers in Champaign. Their guidance was to file a complaint, he said. The three-count complaint alleges that Steigman, a trial and appellate judge for 41 years, violated the Code of Judicial Conduct by using his office staff and equipment to solicit, quote, solicit paid lecturing opportunities from law enforcement and medical groups and hospitals. In doing so, Steigman used the prestige of his judicial office as well as the court's resources to advance his private interests. This conduct also created a potential for an appearance that he is biased in favor of physicians and law enforcement with respect to matters involving those professions. Steigman denied any appearance of impropriety, supplying the board with 22 decisions in which he ruled against the state, a hospital, or a doctor. The classes the board suggests that Steigman appears to favor. Then it goes on. It's a much longer uh, story than that, but don't have time to read it all to you this morning, but and uh, take a look at it and uh, judge for yourself, and we'll uh, follow this, of course, and, uh, and see what happens. It's, uh, by the way, on uh, several of the times that he has been on the air, we have uh, talked about uh, some of these uh, uh, appearances that he has made. In fact, uh, Jim Dye and I uh, both went to, uh, to one of them over at the law school where he had uh, members of the, he had state's attorneys and members of their staffs from all over the state of Illinois, and, and he and another uh, a judge uh, presented an all-day uh, seminar to them about um, various aspects of the law and what is uh, just some uh, some ideas on their opinions on how things uh, could work or should work or how it would work better. And he's also mentioned uh, that he has uh, spoken to state police around the, the state of Illinois and and others. That's as much of that uh, as I know about. So we'll take a break here at the 947, 72 degrees. If you have any comments on that story, you can uh, uh, give us a call. Difficult to know just from the story of what uh, exactly uh, what they, uh, he, he calls it regrettable, embarrassing, and unnecessary. And they say that a uh, solicited uh, solicited to pay the lecturing opportunities from law enforcement and medical groups and hospitals. I mean, he asked to 
be on, uh, asked to uh, present, evidently. We'll take this break. We're coming uh, right back. Phone lines open until 10. Phone lines open until uh, 10 o'clock this morning at uh, 356-9397. Uh, text me at uh, 3515357. Less than a day after North Korea threatened that the United States would pay dearly thousands of times for pushing new sanctions, new sanctions to cripple the rogue nation's economy, U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations Nikki Haley told Fox News that America has the ironclad upper hand. It was a gut punch to North Korea, she said, to let them know the international community is tired of it and we're going to start fighting back. She said every dollar of revenue that the North Korean government gets, they're not feeding their people with it. They're using it toward a nuclear weapons system. Going after these sanctions is going after their ability to build these missiles. The UN Security Council on Saturday voted unanimously to introduce a set of punishing sanctions that could cost the communist dictatorship some $1 billion off its uh, $3 billion annual export revenue. The resolution uh, deemed the harshest since its first nuclear equipment in 2006 was payback for North Korea's testing of two intercontinental ballistic missiles last month, which for the first time showed a capacity to hit the U.S. mainland. This wasn't the only victory for Haley, who was one of the frontrunners in applying pressure to permanent members China and Russia to join them, rather than veto the resolution. She acknowledged that she was no, that was no easy feat, but remained confident that China, North Korea's capital trading partner, would fulfill, it, fulfill its obligations and ensure that the sanctions decree is upheld. Well, that's uh, an interesting one to keep your eye on, uh, is it not, uh, North Korea? They got a crazy man uh, running uh, that country. I mean, a guy that's uh, likely to do most anything. We've told this uh, story before, but back when uh, the Cold War was going on between the United States and uh, in Russia, we were content, and uh, when people were complaining that uh, a lot of threats were being made about nuclear war, it's a tense time, of course, and something to be taken seriously, but somehow you don't feel as threatened by it or as uh, a tense hearing about it as you do when you're dealing with North Korea. This guy might do anything. We'll take our final break right here and come right back. Have time for a call or two before 10 o'clock. A verdict is in, and an Arizona woman was sentenced to death on Monday in the killing of her 10-year-old cousin who was locked in a trunk as punishment for stealing a popsicle. Amy Deal's death was one of the most shocking murders in recent memories in uh, Arizona. Samantha Allen became the third woman 
sentenced to death in that uh, state. The jury deliberated for more than a week before returning the victory, I'm sorry, the verdict against Allen. The 29-year-old was convicted in June of first-degree murder and child abuse in the death of her cousin in 2011. Deal suffocated after being locked in a trunk as punishment in triple-digit heat. Out in Arizona, gets to be up over 100 lots of times, and this was one of those times. Very sad, sad story. Our time is up today. Uh, thanks to uh, Chief Cobb for uh, being on. Julia Reitz tomorrow here on DWS in Champaign-Urbana.